Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like the show, you like what you're hearing, give us that five-star review. And as always, we talk judging and MMA, so you should learn the criteria. You can find it at abcboxing.com. So, Dan, we had a wild UFC 266 on Saturday. I mean, this it I want to say it, it's probably up there as maybe the top two of the year, if not the event of the year. What do you think? This was a fantastic event. I haven't had that feeling watching a, a UFC pay-per-view in a long time, um, mainly because of Nick Diaz. But, yeah, it was it was good to have that feeling back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And before we get too deep into this. Dan, we have a guest with us as we've been, uh, you know, trying to do, especially for these pay-per-view follow-ups here. And our guest judge for the evening is going to go for for the, uh, I guess it's the evening for us. It doesn't matter when you listen. Uh, Our judge, our guest is Ryan Frederick, who you, I'm sure, have seen pop up in the bottom left corner of your screen while watching UFC fights, given his scores, just like Dan and I do. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for having me. This is the first time on the show, and hopefully not the last time. Hopefully not. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if we, we you know, <laughs> yeah. you got to pass our tests and you know, ingratiate us, send us like gifts and things. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm up we're, for the challenge. we're happy to have you, uh, Ryan. Why don't you uh, shout out how everybody can find you on social media and and your outlets? Okay, you can uh, follow me at Ryan J Frederick both on Twitter and. Instagram. I write for the Wrestling Observer uh, website and newsletter. You can find my UFC, weekly UFC recaps in the actual Wrestling Observer newsletter that comes out every Thursday, Friday, whenever Dave Meltzer gets done with it, with all of his wrestling stuff. Uh, I do all of the play-by-play for UFC events on the website. And then I'm also at Fight Game Media. It's the fightgamemedia.com. I do previews for all the UFC events, and I have a Monday column where I just kind of look at the news and Get my thoughts on everything that's happened in the past week of mixed martial arts. We also have a Patreon page at the Fight Game Media where I have a co-host a podcast every Monday night, Tuesday morning, called In the Clinch with Paul Fontaine, uh, where we just recap UFC, just kind of just talk like like we do on here, we will on here. So just recapping everything. Right on, Ryan. And and uh, just because you you do work for the uh, the Wrestling Observer, have you ever been to uh, Dave Meltzer's terribly uh, messy office before? Because we've seen all the photos. I have not, but next time <laughs> I'm in the Bay Area, it is I have been invited over plenty of times. So next time <laughs> right I'm on. in the Bay Area, I'm sure you'll have to watch your step in that room. I, you you know the images I'm talking about, right? They get shared. Around <laughs> oh. <every so> often. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I know the I know the shed of all the videotapes. It's kind of one of those things I want to explore one day. Oh, I bet for sure. I mean, it's legendary, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah, oh, let's yeah. let's uh, let's dive in, uh, Dan and Ryan. We have a lot to talk about from UFC 266, and I think we have to start with that absolutely legendary round three between Alexander Volkanovski and Brian Ortega. Of course, Volkanovski ended up winning the fight. It was a lopsided score, but I think generally speaking, a closer fight than the score was at times, at least. Uh, but that round three was, it was breathtaking, right? Ryan, I mean, what were you thinking when you were watching? I was thinking that first off, I thought uh, Volkanovsky was out from the choke on the amount of guillotine. It was kind of surprising that he survived it. And he even admitted afterwards that, that he didn't think he was going to make it through, make it through, but just to survive those, 
those submission attempts and come back and win the round because he was just dominant at the end of the round. I round of the year, very possibly. I kind of like like Max Holloway's round four performance over Calvin Cater, maybe a little slightly just because of a single round performance from Holloway, but I mean definitely in the talks for round of the year and probably the fight of the year as of right now. That's an interesting uh, perspective on on the Holloway Cater round because I, I know what you mean. I mean that was a fantastic round, but like like what you're saying, it's a it's a completely different way than this round was. Yeah, exactly. I mean when you watch the Holloway Cater fourth round, it's it's you're not watching it for like the greatness of a round of two guys just just going out of. You're watching it for the greatness of a single fighter just absolutely putting on a spectacular one man show. Whereas this one between Volkanovski and Ortega, it was just back and forth, and both men giving their all trying to finish a fight, and then they went for two more rounds. Absolutely insane, Dan. What were you thinking when you're watching it? I was like, oh my god, he's gonna beat him here. We got another Chael Silva situation going on, and uh, well, that didn't happen. But yeah. no, it didn't. But I mean, he almost got him twice. His head was turning purple. I, He's kicking and sc- like not screaming, but gargling, I guess, according to uh, Brian Ortega. You knew that he was, was in wild. A, yeah, you knew he was in a bad way when technique went out the window and you just flailing around trying to just flail around trying, trying to get, get as much like movement around and hopefully not. Yeah. Having too much pressing on your carotid. Right. Yeah. I, I, I thought he was going to go to sleep. And, and then the triangle, I, I was like, how is he surviving this? I, I, I think Ortega probably just was shot. Uh, What's crazy. He, He's the triangle king, man. So like D city, right? So I don't know. The The crazy thing is that I don't know if you guys have had the chance to go back and watch this round since then. I I've watched it uh, w- just once. I meant to watch it again, but I, I just watched it a second time. Uh, and all of the craziness happens like within like a two minute frame. Like it's, it's generally like kind of a normalish round for three minutes. And then it's just two minutes of insanity breathtaking really was wild yeah yeah, just wild round i couldn't believe it and and, but of course as we know volkanovsky goes on wins the round unanimously on all three judges scorecards which i thought was just amazing that the judges landed unanimously on the same score for that round because realistically there's just so many different you know ups and downs and and things you do because ortega's basically out at the end of the round realistically the fight could have been stopped there without much complaint if if he's not in his corner, I think it gets stopped. He just so happened that, to be lucky to be laying down in his corner. It sure seems like uh, the NSAC doctors did everything they could to give Ortega a chance <laughs> to stay in there, almost almost helping him along the way. I he, mean, Ryan, were you there? Because you're in Vegas, right? Were you there for that? Uh, I'm actually in, I'm actually at home in Texas right now. Oh, yeah, okay. So I was I wasn't at the at the show. Unfortunately, I, I was planning, but. We'll just leave it at that. But uh, so I wasn't at it. But yeah, like whenever, especially when they were asking Ortega after the fourth round, all those questions is almost like they were giving him answers to try to, you know, not compete. Now, I was was at whenever Holloway and Ortega fought up in Toronto, and it was kind of the same situation at the end of the fourth where Ortega was just done and they stopped the fight there. I'm surprised they didn't stop the fight here. But Nevada's, you know, not as quick to stop fights as other commissions. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just Brian Ortega is super tough and he took a beating yet again. And his face after the fight, it was just it was a mess. But, I mean, super tough guy. Amazing, amazing. And I think this earned a lot of credibility for Volkanovski because I think there's a lot of people who they would just remember that Holloway fight from last year. And I think this finally erases at least some memory of that because they're like, Hey, this guy is legit too. Just because he was in there in a fight that realistically could have gone either way last year. You may feel one way, you may feel the other close fight. 
But this is a, a, a defining performance, I think, for Volkanovsky. Uh, but what should be next or will be next? I guess there are probably two different answers. They could be different, different answers. Um, for the champ here, where, where does Volkanovsky go? Dan, what do you think? I think the easy answer is uh, winner of Max and Yair in November. Sure. I mean, that's the easy answer. Do you think that's what it could be or what it will be? I think that's what it will be. Okay. What about I, you, Ryan? I think it's what it, I think it will be Max Holloway if he beats Yair Rodriguez. I think if Yair Rodriguez wins, I mean they've had a they've had a lot of issues with him over the years about fights and getting him scheduled. I don't know. Maybe they would throw the zombie in there because they want to get the zombie a title fight and he's coming off a win. Uh, perhaps maybe Giga Chikadze. I mean I think Giga probably gives Volkanovski the most interesting fight outside of Holloway right now. So. I mean, they'll probably – I mean, if Rodriguez wins, I would assume they might do another top contender fight, maybe with the Zombie and G Giga, maybe. There's a lot of options, though, there. Absolutely. And, uh, Dan, you were going to say something, too, real quick. What was that? I uh, forget. That's all right. We'll move on. Uh, <laughs> does Ortega – here's the question I have. Uh, does Ortega have a path back to 145, or is 155 pounds in his future? Is there talk of him going to 55? You know, when I was talking to Volkanovski last week, he was referring to some things that made it sound like he'd heard Ortega almost kind of had one foot out the door of the division, that kind of thing. Now, is that kind of hearsay or what? It is what it is. But, you know, when you look at it, we have a guy who looked, you know, tough, but not better than the champ in his two shots against two different men who realistically, they look like they're probably going to be you know, if not trading the belt back and forth, one of them is just going to be holding it for a while. That's my two cents uh, as far as Volkanovski and Holloway. Uh, but, you know, if, if, does that lock him out or what? I mean, wh what should he do? Dan, what do you think? I would stay at 45. I mean, Volkanovski, tremendous performance. And Ortega, for the most part, was a, was a punching bag. But he also had Vol Volkanovski in the most trouble, I think, we've seen Volkanovski. So if he can get better, Absolutely. I mean, not going to say he doesn't have a shot to win. Well, that's the problem is that maybe he doesn't – if he was to get back there, you can't really count him out. But can he get back there? What do you think, Ryan? Uh, I think he stays at 145 right now. It would not surprise me if he goes to 155. I don't know about this weight cut, but I know he has a lot of trouble making 145, whether whether he wants to admit it or not, if you kind of know the inside. He had to shave his head to make make the weight for the zombie fight. I mean, that's, that's – right. There's no, there's no question of what, what happened there. And, and I mean, as you get older, that tough, that uh, cut becomes tougher. I mean, I could see 155, 145. I mean, he's always going to be in that mix just because of the fights he gave Holloway and Volkanovski. And then someone else sneaks in as champion somewhere. It opens the door back up for him. So I, um, I would stick with 145 if I were him, as long as, you know, he can continue to safely make it. And, you know, there's still a bunch of good fights because that division is deep there. I, I think I agree with, with you, gentlemen, that 45 is really where he still belongs, even if, his, if it is tough. If he is having trouble, he definitely should move up. You know, you know, we've seen so many fighters who've done a lot better, especially moving up from 45 to 55. You can think of a few guys like Connor and, and Dustin Poirier and, and all these people who found success going up. Uh, I would say, like, short term, give it another shot. But he's also one of these guys that, like, sometimes – He's got to come back from behind. Like third round Ortega is the one you got to watch out for. And obviously this fight was kind of the same thing. It just didn't quite happen. So if he finds himself in other situations where he's kind of up against it, 
he may not win those at 145. Maybe it's best to move up. But short term, yeah, I think I agree with you guys. Moving on, though, to the other title fight of the night. Of course, Valentina Shevchenko did everything we expected her to do, which was run through uh, Lauren Murphy. I think I predicted uh, on our show last week, Dan, I, I said like an early round stoppage, but I also could have seen a, uh, a decision because we've kind of seen Valentina not necessarily go crazy and pushing opponents who are not giving her anything to work with, you know, but it was a little bit of, it was kind of in the middle. It went later rounds, but she still stopped it. Uh, Dan, I'm going to start with you. Is there any credible challenger left for Valentina Shevchenko at 125 pounds? No, uh, there isn't. Uh, that sounds like a good answer I, to me. I, I mean, unless she can, she has to make 125 and her challenger is allowed to be 135. Maybe. <laughs> She she has to fight at one like one twenty six because it doesn't quite make the yeah. featherweight title fight limit right. Beating everyone and beating everyone impressively. It's like there's like there's no one I don't think. Yeah, I, I can't think of any. Ryan, what about you? You got any thoughts? I mean, there's nobody in the next couple of years. So there's a couple of young prospects when you kind of look at Casey O'Neill who's fighting her sister this week and and uh, Aaron Blanchfield who just debuted I mean yes. maybe in a couple of years those might be good enough to at least challenge Chef Ch Valentina especially as Valentina gets you know a couple more years on her but there's no credible challengers at 125 I mean we're looking at Alex Tagrasso or Joanne Calderwood next which both good fighters but I mean I don't see them giving any other you know, any better of a chance than anybody else in that division right now. Yeah. You always hear that phrase, you know, she's never fought anybody like me. He's never fought anybody like me. I think it's safe to say that everybody who's left is just about enough. Like whoever she's beaten before. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no, there's nobody left who gives any different kind of challenge right now at all. It, it would be nice to see Calderwood finally get that title shot that's just been like right there for her and she hasn't quite gotten there. So in that sense, it's almost like giving her her chance, kind of like Laura Murphy got her chance. But yeah, I, I can't see anybody like that having I, I anything would, other than than a passing, you know, a, a puncher's chance, right? What were you actually, saying, Ryan? actually, the one person because I just I just completely remembered because she was supposed to debut at flyweight this weekend, but maybe Tatiana Suarez if she can actually start getting yes. back into action yes. action and fighting regularly. I mean, she's got the wrestling to probably negate Shevchenko. It's just a matter of can she match on the feet, but that's probably the most interesting fight Shevchenko will have at 125 within the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I, that's a good name to bring up. I would love to see if she can stay healthy, get in the cage. Even one win, realistically, if it was a dominant win over the right opponent, I think you could say if she's if she thinks she's ready for it, they could try to put her in there because, I mean, realistically, how much more are we going to get out of her? It seems like she's just kind of snake bit with all these uh, different maladies and stuff, which is terribly unfortunate because she is a, a true talent, Tatiana Suarez. But uh, it is what it is. Right. Uh, before we get into our contested rounds, Dan, I'm going to start with you because Nick Diaz uh, holds a special place in your heart uh, as a as a mixed martial arts fan. What were your thoughts? on Lawler Diaz too, which of course was a, a TKO victory by Mr. Lawler. What were your thoughts? I thought he looked good. Uh, I don't think he looked Nick, you're saying. Yeah, I thought Nick, Nick Diaz looked good. I don't think he looked washed at all. Uh, a little slower, I guess. Maybe uh, a little flabbier than he would normally be. A little softer. So, I don't know if flabby was the... That's really yeah. harsh. I thought you liked this guy. Well, that's a different word. It's, it's, there's synonyms. 
I thought he looked fine. I mean, seemed like I, all the things coming into it. Everyone's all oh, his head's not in it, but he just seems like a actually seemed like a happier guy to me in the post fight interview. I almost and, think and that's like content. a bad thing. Like he shouldn't he shouldn't be happy. He's supposed to be saying I won that fight, even though he couldn't get up and they let him. You know, they they waved it off. I actually he's thought... supposed to be like no no no. If I'd stood up, I was going to knock him out. I just I wasn't ready to do it. For, initially, I thought he injured his knee or something and couldn't stand that's up. That's what it looked like, right? Yeah, that's what I thought happened. But yeah. I mean, I mean, gr- great for Robbie Lawler to come back down 2014 and get that stoppage. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see Diaz again. Maybe Diaz Cowboy. Oh goodness! <laughs> it's loser leaves town. Is that what we were talking about? Why not? All right, fair enough. Uh, and that would have to be at middleweight too, I would think. Uh, Ryan, what were you thinking when we were watching that? What, what does Diaz mean to you, first off? I mean, he's one of my favorite personalities personalities to watch, and it's always a joy to watch him. Watch him when he was at his peak. At his peak, you know, I tend outside of a couple people, I don't have actually like favorite fighters i kind of just enjoy everybody but he's always one of the ones i enjoy as far as the return i kind of tempered my expectations for it and really had zero expectations yeah he was slower but it's six and a half years off he's 38 last time we saw him he's with 32 31 32 i mean the body shots were still effective he was still still knew how to land combinations coming slower of course of course i kind of buy into the thought that he might've been injured and that kind of, you know, maybe took his, you know, those guys, whenever they're injured, injured, both him, both him and Nathan, they just kind of just act like they don't care during the week, during the week. So I kind of buy into that and looking soft and, you know, the late change in the weight class, weight class, I buy into the, I buy into the injury affecting his cardio. He got, he looked like he got a little tired, which is unusual for him. So I noticed, uh, yeah, but I mean, like I said, I didn't have much expectations, and he actually exceeded it, and the fight exceeded it, and exceeded it, and you know, I don't, I don't know what people were expecting, but this is honestly what I expected, so I liked it. He was definitely uh, better than I thought he was going to be. He was slower. It took him a while to look comfortable in there. Like he, he opened up with that weird jumping kick that was just so. <laughs> a- what, what, I don't know what that was about. There's a great image of him like floating in the air with his back to Lawler. Uh, it's just you know just a still from the from the fight video. And it's like what the hell is going on? I mean, here? <laughs> considering everybody expected him to lay down at the start at the start like he did against Anderson Silva, just just doing a jumping whatever kick. You know that that was a little different. Yes, absolutely was. Um, but yeah, I mean, you saw obviously after he gets over that initial. You know, maybe slow slowness, you know, kind of feeling it out. You want to call it ring rust, fine, whatever it was to kind of get back into it. He did look really good. I think probably from like, let's say, you know, three minutes left in that round to like the first minute or two of round two. I think he had like a really great, good to great five minute like period in there. And that was what I, I was, I would say, taking away from that, if you're a Nick Diaz fan and you want to be optimistic, you look at that and say, this guy can still hang at least with, you know, someone maybe age appropriate or anything like that. I don't want to see him in there. I don't want to see Nick Diaz in there with anybody who's, you know, these up and comers that are going to try and make their name off of him. It would be nice for those fighters, but realistically, I, I can't see anything like that going very well for Nick at well, this stage. He's, you know, he's older. Well, Robbie <laughs> Lawler had a great game plan. He was on top of, of Diaz. Diaz wants to be the one on top of you. He doesn't like fighting off his back. Lawler never gave him the opportunity to do that. These young guys may not be ready to do that. 
they make it just fall into having to fight off their back foot and get picked apart by Nick Diaz. That is true. I mean, and and of course, he can play the mind games probably a little bit better with somebody you know that he doesn't really know or respect in there the way he probably does uh, Robbie Lawler, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, Nick Nick he didn't even taunt him once. I don't think. It, no, it was no, different. it was very civil, and I think he kind of said that he was aiming to do that okay. this week. You know, he was definitely on uh, different behavior than we saw, yeah. and and it showed in the cage as well, right? Yep. So yeah, I think that kind of covers it before, uh, you know, for the, some of the topics we wanted to get to, but let's go into contested rounds. Let's break down some of the rounds that the judges uh, disagreed on for this one. There were six out of 25 scored rounds, three of them being uh 10-8 disputes, three of them being uh, the round winner. And we had a little bit of both in our, you know, main event championship classic fight rounds four and five of Volkanovsky Ortega were the uh, split rounds here so let's start with four round four is a 10 8 9 split with two judges mike bell and junichiro camijo seeing this round as a 10 9 for volkanovsky the 10 8 came from sal d'amato uh and before we even get into it i just want to say for everybody that, that i say this anytime these guys are working together this trio this is the trio that if i was a fighter i want them to be staffed for my fight because i trust them to be able to come up with the correct winner between the three of them the best uh, but having said that Dan, what happened in this round? This round was kind of a beating. Uh, seemed like what, what we mentioned earlier, Ortega, it took every bit of uh, the doctors to try to just give him every chance he can to come back out for this round after the end of the first round. But this was, this was a beating. He gets that solid Darce attack, but once that fails, Volk just goes to town on top of him. Just and it wasn't really... nearly as close as any of the other sub attempts from the previous round. It was, you know, it was there. It was a decent attack, but not quite in the same type of danger yeah it might have been an anaconda i can't remember which side he had it on but yeah it was it was a it was an okay attack it wasn't better than or the uh, guillotine or triangle in the previous round but i think uh i think volk really put a beating on this round and if someone stopped it or herb herb dean stopped it i'd have no issue it was almost like round three except without the two you know if you replace those two really dangerous close submission attacks from uh, ortega with you know, a decent, okay attempt. So I think that's why when I'm watching this, I can see why Sal D'Amato gave it a 10-8. So I actually gave it a 10-8 uh, as he did. Uh, Ryan, what did you see in this round? Did you score, score for the 8 or the 9? I went 10. I went 10-9. I saw, I saw uh, Volkanovski, like, dominate, but it's kind of one of those things where I, I wasn't sure that it was enough for a 10-8. I mean, you know, half points if you it's kind of like one of those it kind of fell in between a 10 8 and, and a half, 10 right yeah, yeah it kind of fell in between a 10 8 and a 10 10 9 for me i just didn't thought volkanovsky controlled but he wasn't overly dominant when you look at the stats the punch stats were only like 35 to 6 which you know is is a big round big round but it you know when you kind of compare it to other rounds i don't i don't i don't you know either score would have been fine fine for me i had a 10 10 9 but i mean either score you know, it's good for me, honestly. The stats can be deceptive, I, I, I would say, though, yeah. because, you know, as we know, the judges, of course, don't have those stats. Um, but, you know, for me, uh, you know, and respectfully, Ryan, of course, you were in the majority or you sided with the majority of the judges, Mike Bell and Junior Chiro Camillo. But uh, for me, I think the quality over the quantity of those punches landed was what really pushed me through that kind of. Was it a 10, eight and a half could have gone either way. I went over to the 10, eight just because I thought the level of damage, the level of impact crossed over into there. And I do think we have, when you're talking about the 10, eight, of course, 
You're looking at your three Ds, damage, do dominance, and duration. Uh, and I do think you can check off, at the very least, damage and duration for this round. Uh, Dan, what did you think? Yeah, I thought the damage was was there. I thought Ortega was, was quite diminished, uh, especially to eating these shots. And I, I honestly, I didn't think he was going to make it out of the round. So I was at 10-8. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously we, we, I think we can understand why Ryan went that way along with those other two judges who were of course yep. in the majority, but I do see it the same way as Sal. So do you, Dan, Dan, what is that when, uh, when us two hosts see it the same way as the lone judge? That's a couch side override. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan, you don't qualify for the couch side override. You're just a guess. No offense. None take none taken. I'll admit that like whenever I feel like around like a 10, 8 and a half, I tend to lead more towards scoring at 10, 9 than as opposed to 10, 8. You know, I know how some people have different philosophies on that. So sure, of course. And you know, it's it's tricky too. Uh before before we actually move on, Ryan, have you ever uh, taken like any of the the judging courses or spoken with any judges or officials or even do you like do you read the judging criteria, that kind of thing? I read the judging criteria. I've talked to a couple officials or a couple of judges, especially some here in te Texas that I know that I know, uh, you know, I kind of, I have, I'm, I have a friend who is in touch with the Nevada commission who, who will actually ask me to recommend fights for them to, to watch, to, to judge, to judge. But as far as like taking any courses, I've never taken courses. I basically, get my knowledge of having watched MMA since 2001 and just learning over time, you know, what they, what they look for and just, you know, so that's basically kind of train myself on, on scoring basically. Right on, right on. Yeah. Dan and I have not taken uh, either, you know, the command course or any of the other uh, courses that are occasionally offered by the other accredited judges, guys like uh, Blake Grice, um, our, you know, Rob Hines, we, you know, we haven't taken those courses, but we've had the pleasure of speaking with a couple of those officials. So that's kind of, I guess, our unofficial training, which does not qualify. But yeah. Dan, I know, is is very much looking forward to the command course whenever possible. Right, Dan? One day. <laughs> Whenever it's offered <laughs> yeah. again, right? It's like, it's like it's offered like four weeks in advance. Uh, well, go. obviously, you and you were going to go to it last summer before, yeah. uh, you know, that thing happened. Yeah, that, that worldwide thing. That, that world thing. I, we, we know about it. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> Getting back to uh, Volkanovski Ortega, because round five was the other split round in this one. And this was uh, a dispute over who won the round. Uh, Dan, why don't you uh, break down kind of the round first before we get into it? I think this was Ortega's best round, even though round three he was close to finishing twice. Because he took a beating in that round. This is a round he didn't really take that much of a beating. And he, he dished out quite a bit of uh, damage himself on the feet. And I leaned him. I thought he landed just a bit stronger. Yeah, I thought this was a close round, one that made a lot of sense to go for Ortega or Volkanovski, but I did see a little bit more impact off of the strikes, a little bit more effectiveness uh, coming from the strikes there. I don't know that it was necessarily anything Volkanovski was not doing so much as I think Ortega probably felt the press. Like, I think I'm probably losing this. I need to do something, you know? Yep. And uh, as credit to him. You know, it, it was <laughs> not much of a victory to get this round from anybody because it didn't. He needed a knockout or a submission. Uh, it was what it was. Uh, Ryan, what about you? Which way did you go? I went with Ortega. I agree with a lot of with both of you. Just kind of just seemed to land more damaging shots. Volkanovski might have landed more, but he seemed to be just content with just kind of surviving, surviving the fifth, knowing he had the fight, fight one basically already already just you know not take any risk risk he kind of slowed down a little bit and 
Ortega did land some good shots, but never had Volkanovski in trouble. But it was one of those rounds. It could have gone either way, but I think more damaging shots from Ortega won him the round. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, we're all unanimous here. Uh, but incidentally, the, we are in the uh, minority when it comes to the judges because only Mike Bell saw this one for Ortega. Saldamato and Junior Chiro Camillo, they saw this for Volkanovski, which gave him a clean sweep of the cards. But because we, as a group now, all three of us sided with the uh, the out judge here. Dan, what do we got? Another couch side override. Ryan, welcome to the club. You got you got in on this one, so congratulations. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we, uh, we'll be sending out our couch side override uh, prizes to the judges whenever we decide that we're going to have prizes. Uh, <laughs> never going to happen. Sorry. Uh, moving on, though, we have a round in the Lawler-Diaz fight, which, of course, ended in the third. But the first round was the one that was up for debate. You know, we spoke about how, you know, strong me, – me especially spoke about how strongly Diaz came on in the latter part of this round. Uh, but, again, the, the judges were split. Dan, you want to kind of take it through just a little bit of what happened in this round? Yeah, this is – Robbie Lawler came out. He pressed uh, – well, first Diaz came out with that spin kick. And then – Of course. Robbie started. He hit him with some good shots early in the round. Uh, backed Diaz up, kept the pressure on. But, but Diaz fought really well off his back foot. Landing lots of combos, maybe not all the hardest, but I think he definitely had the volume edge, and he was he was ripping the As body. As he tends to, right? Ripping the body, ripping the head, uh, I think enough to take the round. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought this was – I'm not surprised that this was split among even the, the trio of judges yeah, that close I round. You know, like the most very close round. I figured it was going to be close on the cards, at, but I did see it for Diaz. Again, I thought he came on – a little more with the the volume, I think, made up for maybe the the lack of of heavier impact effectiveness from the strikes because I do think they were cumulatively adding up more to the point that it outweighed the immediate effect of Lawler's strikes because of course you do favor the immediate over the you know the overtime volume kind of thing but I think it did way heavily more heavily in Diaz's favor just barely. Uh, so yeah, Ryan, what about you? What did, did you, did you see it uh, for Diaz or Lawler? Yeah, I had it for Diaz. Same, same as you guys. Yeah. Lawler was pressing him, had him against the cage, but Diaz was working the body effectively against the cage. Just, you know, it was combos, you know, and then he was doing some damage to law Lawler, just the volume and the, just the activity gave it to Diaz in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and and we're on the side of the majority in this one. Actually, this was Mike Bell and Sal D'Amato also saw it for Diaz. Camijo was on the uh, he was the out judge for this one, saw it for Lawler. Uh, no problems there, as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't I don't think this would have been a controversial choice if it had somehow gotten to the cards in in what was the second ever UFC non-title non-main event five round fight didn't go the distance like uh nathan diaz the brother did earlier this year against uh, or as we as we call this the diaz rules fight the diaz rules that's right <laughs> you will only see it with a diaz brother involved i i hope they expanded it out to somebody but it, you know as someone that makes sense in in sort of a diaz uh way right <laughs> But exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. So we're all in this way. There's no couch side override on this one. Sorry, guys. Uh, or sorry, uh, Junior Tiro. Moving on now to uh, this was another round that I think people were talking about as a potential round of the year before we quickly forgot about it because of round three uh, of the championship fight, the main event. Mirab Davalashvili, he got the second round TKO victory over Marlon Marais. Round one, of course, had a lot of momentum swings. Uh, Dan, what happened here? Marais catches him. Hurts him pretty bad. 
swarming on him. Somehow Mirab survives it and then gets him on the ground and, and almost finishes Mirai's. Mirai's Mirai's blew his gas tank trying to finish him. That's typical. And then didn't. And so he, he started getting smashed with these heavy hammers fists. And I was like, I don't even know how to score this round. This is like I, I threw my hands uh, up too. <laughs> what what do you do? I ultimately I went with Mirai's because I figured I thought he had him hurt worse than Devalish really had Mirai's hurt. I thought Mirai's was maybe a bit more tired than he was hurt, but so that's how, how yeah. I kind of went with that. I, I can see that too. Uh Ryan, what about you? Did you did you agree with uh Dan there? Yeah, I I scored it for Mirai's kind of one of those you kind of throw your hands up and you know it you could easily call it a 10 10 round, just basically the ba- way it went, but having to give it to somebody, I thought Mirai's I thought the fight could have been stopped twice when Mirai's was you know, attacking Devalishvili. There was a point right before Devalishvili got that takedown where he looked out on his feet, and I thought only one. There was only one time where they could have stopped it for Devalishvili. So, based on the fact that I thought you could have stopped the fight more for more in the favor for Marais, gave him the round. But, but yeah, in the end, didn't make a difference. But it was a wild round, and you know, really could have gone either way. And whatever you wanted to score that round, I, I think was the right call either way. Yeah, for me, it was basically just because it was so wild. I'm like, I, I, I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm going to make what I think happened here. But more than ever, I think I just have to trust the three men that are sitting cage side telling us who won the round because they had a lot more information in what was an absolutely wild round. And I didn't necessarily think about a 10-10 here because 10-10s, my understanding, judges only apply uh, kind of in rounds where, especially at the amateur level, everyone's just kind of chasing each other and no one's really doing anything or they're just kind of having a staring contest or especially in incomplete rounds, uh, like tactical decision kind of deals. Uh, but for this round, I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head uh, in terms of why you should go for Marias here, Ryan, was just the fact that he did get a little bit closer to that finish, I think in my uh, estimation. I think that's a good barometer for why it goes that way and it's not exactly an even round, right? Yeah, I mean, when you kind of have rounds where both guys nearly finish finish each other, it's like who came closer, closer, and who probably landed the more more damage. And Mariah's, in my opinion, landed more the more damage. Especially, I mean, Devalish really was out on his feet. I, I mean, if he doesn't get that take, if he doesn't grab a hold while he's stumbling around and get that takedown, he might it might have ended, you know, a couple moments later, later. So, I mean, but. Marais, he punched himself out, gassed himself out. And I didn't I don't think he was he was in too much danger except for maybe there at the end of the end of the first of getting actually finished. But the second round was just obviously it was gonna end that round with Devalishvili just taking him down and destroying him. We always see Marais uh, fading in these fights. It's really unfortunate because the guy is is you can just tell he's loaded with talent, but his his it seems like his gas tank has gotten even worse as time goes. Maybe it's just because he's getting older. I don't know. But he used to last a little bit longer before this would this would set in. Now I think we only get three or four minutes out of him, and, and that's it. It's very bizarre. Uh, but when I looked at who scored the round for Marais of the judges, it was two out of three. Seeing it for Marais, we had the one go for Devalishvili, Mike Bell, Junichiro Kamijo. They had it. For Marais, and again, I I will say that I think they are in that top three group, especially of North American judges, uh, that I would pick there for fights. No offense to Tony Weeks, who I think is a solid judge, especially when it comes to uh, rounds that are contested on the feet. He did see it for Devalishvili, and there's no shame in that. 
but I definitely looked at Bell Camillo on the Mariah's name, and I'm like, you know what? That feels right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so <laughs> that was it for that one. We all saw it that way, uh, all three on the Mariah's train. But again, a lot of trust for the judges here. Two rounds to go, both of which are a 10-8-9 split. Let's start with the heavyweight second-round TKO, Chris Dalkus getting the win over Shamil Abdurahimov, who we haven't seen fight in what feels like 25 years. Uh, but he came back and got the L for his troubles. Dan, what happened in this round that that especially led to, I think, his later demise, right? A bit slow start. Uh, yeah. Dawkins kind of got Very lulled. heavyweight start. Dawkins got lulled into it because usually he's he's kind of uh, – we've seen him be fast. I've seen him be fast a bunch of times. Uh, but nothing really overly great for uh, Abdurakhimov. Am I saying that right? Abdurahimov. Abdurahimov. Oh, I was I was close. So close. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> eventually, Dawkins lands that left, and I thought I thought he was out. I was like, "Oh, it's over." And then he he came to right away. Ended up in mount and just took a bunch of elbows and punches to the face. I said, "This damage is super high." I'm going ten eight. I didn't quite go to that ten eight level, sir. I, I I think I understand. I I almost kind of go back to the. Uh, you know, to the term that you were alluding to earlier, Ryan, with that kind of the 10, eight and a half there. I don't think it crossed over into that heavier level. I, there wasn't enough throughout the round. I don't know if you could tell how badly he was hurt before that horn sounds. Because remember, the judges have to give their score right away. They don't get like an extra 10 seconds to look and see, hey, how's he doing? You know, so I think when you look at it like that, it's easier for me to cut it off and say this is just a 10, nine. Although you could tell later on how badly he's hurt so it's almost like uh a, a with hindsight 10-8 but i saw it as a 10-9 and i'm gonna stick with that uh ryan what about you i agree with you scott in, in real time i saw it as a 10-9 and a lot of it was just because nothing happened for that first three minutes and it was kind of like a 90 second spurt of complete dominance but but i mean i also when it, when it comes to 10-8 i like to look at it at you got to have at least half a round of complete dominance in my opinion my opinion and we only had you know minute and a half two minutes at most but nearly finished it but you know 10 9 10 8 won't argue against either one either one abdur came off was done at the end of the in the round but like you said i mean judges have to give give the score right away and doing in that criteria i think 10 9 fits more more in line with it yeah, I think so too. I don't. I don't know. It's necessarily because you you would need that two and a half minutes, like you're talking about. I don't know that judges need that because what you really are looking for is kind of the level of uh, if it crosses the line into some sort of oh wow man he's in real bad shape here. That's where I think the judges will actually start saying that this can be a ten eight even without that you know I guess that duration that you're talking about that being one of the three D's. Uh, I, I imagine if it was two and a half minutes. They'd be looking at it and be like, wow, there's good duration on this damage being dealt out. Um, but yeah, I, ultimately, we saw it the same way as a 10-9. Dan, sorry you were on an island this time with uh, Chris Lee because Ryan and I saw this one the same way as Brian and Miner and Dave Hagen. Uh, sorry, Dan. Well, congratulations, Chris Lee, on your Dan Urban override. <laughs> the so. Dan Urban override. That that does not get a uh, its own noise. Sorry, okay. unless you want to make one up. Weak, weak. Yeah, I'm not a noisemaker. <laughs> Terrible. No, that's not your thing. You're not you're not like the guy from Police Academy. <laughs> <laughs> and the last round we have, and this one was in the fight that almost never happened because it's, there was a chance that neither of these guys would show up in Vegas. Dan Hooker getting the unanimous nod over Nasrat Hakparast. 
two 30-27s and a 29-20, or excuse me, two 30-27s and a 30-26, because round three was a debatable 10-8 on the scorecard. Dan, why was this a potential 10-8? What happened? Well, I mean, by criteria, I think you can check dominance and duration pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree. But uh, as we know, since uh, Uncle Dana got a little angry about Izzy getting 10-8'd in a similar fashion... Uh, by uh, by Jan Blachowicz back in it, March, it, yeah. Yeah, it seems things have been dialed back a bit. Um, yeah, I think that is almost definitely true. There is a distinct change in the way our judges are, especially the ones who are working in these Vegas events, are actually scoring their 10-8s, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this round, it was it was solid for Hooker, and uh, Hawk Pross came out aggressive, just didn't land too much before he knew it. He's back on the ground, he's defending his back, defending the choke. Uh, I think I think Hooker had a, a decent damage. I mean, I wouldn't really check it off fully. Sure. But uh, yeah, I went 10-9. Just, I mean, think, I think that's how uh, judges are viewing this round now. I mean, that certainly bears out. Again, we have Mike Bell. Uh, and Mike Bell, by the way, is one of the most likely judges to go for the 8 instead of the 9. He's the most likely to pull the 8. Uh, him and him uh, and Eric Colon traditionally are the ones who are more likely to go for the 8, but Bell even more so. So the fact that he didn't go for the 10-9, I think that speaks volumes to the way judges are now looking at those Ds, those three Ds. They really want to see damage be among them, even though we have two of them being checked off here. And Adelaide Bird was the one who pulled the trigger, giving a 10-8 for Hooker instead of the 9. So <laughs> I think for once, you had a lot of people out there who, as we know on social media, they love to bash Ms. Bird, but credit to her. To go for the eight here that we haven't seen, but the criteria as worded certainly supports. I'm surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised. But I did score this as a 10-9 just because as I'm looking at it, I'm trying to think the way the judges are scoring it now. Um, but again, I I almost want to give her a give her a little salute here for this one. Uh Ryan, what did you think though? I mean, did you did you go for the eight or did you settle in with a nine with us? I had the I had the nine as well. Yeah, damage and duration was there. Just there's something about it just didn't feel yeah, our, yeah, dominant, dominance and duration, duration damage wasn't totally there. Something about it, just you know, sometimes when you, sometimes when you watch it, watch fights too, you feel like okay, this is a ten eight round, and it felt more like a ten nine round round to me in real time. So I mean, you know, that's how I, that's how I looked at it. So and of course, as you're saying, you you tend to err on the side of the nine rather than the eight too. Why is that, Ryan? I, old habits maybe, or just okay. you know, just just uh, just. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I, I tend to, I tend to favor damage probably a far more than yeah. duration and dominance. Okay. Dominance probably is probably more so why. So it almost sounds like the way that they've moved the the way that these rounds are getting scored, it almost lines up better with the way you tend to score your ten eights. That, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I haven't haven't necessarily looked at it like, that way. Just maybe it's just old school mentality of, you know, having watched yeah. this sport for 20, yep. 20 years. I mean, back when 10 eights were rare, you know, so. What was the first event that you ever watched, Ryan? Did you watch the, the no holds barred days? Or did you get into it? Like you're saying 20 years ago after I watched, Zufa moved in? I watched no holds barred when we were kids, you know, kind of just everybody kind of did that from the local video store. Actual first UFC pay-per-view I ordered was the first one in the Zufa banner UFC 31. Mm. So, and the very first one I ever attended was was UFC uh, 47, the first 
Chuck and Tito. I remember okay. being an 18 year old kid with a fake ID in Las Vegas going to that, <laughs> going to that show. So if I recall, a couple other gentlemen fought on the undercard of that one. Uh, do you, do you recall who I'm talking about, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler. So <laughs> that's yeah. right. You were there yeah. in house. It comes full circle, Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like do you, do you have any memories of that particular fight or did it not stand out? Uh, I just remember, I remember the finish <laughs> just, just, I mean, I think that's the most memorable thing of that first fight. And then obviously the face plan, right? the face plan, face plan and then Robbie popping right up and like, what the hell happened? I mean, you know, <laughs> and just crazy how young they look compared, oh, yeah. compared to on Saturday night. Just, oh my God. Yeah, and then, it ages us all, doesn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> and just, and I don't, I don't know, maybe that at the time I was also mesmerized by being an 18 year old kid in Las Vegas, you know, at a UFC, at a UFC show and with a fake ID who's able to gamble and drink, drink, you know, you, so. you passively gambled in Las Vegas with a fake ID. Uh, well, I mean, I had facial, I'm not hair trying to get you 18. arrested, but I had facial hair when I was 18 and I learned okay. a trick from, from an older friend, friend, if you're able to find somebody who hands you, who gives you an alcoholic beverage, just carry an alcoholic beverage around at all times and you get less <laughs> questions. <his> ID. <laughs> so, yeah. He also won four wow. cars. I, I did not pull a Nick Papa George. Oh, okay. I, 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 kept, I kept my gambling to a limited just to not get caught. I mean, it was more so to be able to check into an actual strip hotel. So, okay. okay, gotcha. So that's that's wild, man. I love it. I love it. But uh, yeah, that was it for our contested rounds here. You know, I think we had a lot of finishes. We had eight finishes on this card. Again, as we said at the top of the show. What a wild event as far as what was happening. I mean, we had the even the decisions were excellent, but we had, like I said, eight finishes, six by TKO or KO, two submissions, three fights ended in the first round. Ryan, let's lead off with you. What was your favorite of the finishes? Uh, the Chris Dawkins finish because he basically knocked Abdurakimov out twice. So, yeah. I mean, you know, when you, when you knock somebody out once and don't quite – get it stopped and then do it again a minute and a half later. Like, I mean, and then just, and there's also a combination of his, his reaction, just, you know, doing it in front of fans. He openly talked about how this was the first time he'd fought in front of a crowd crowd in the UFC and how it was just kind of crazy with all the noise and just, he just seemed overjoyed by it. So it was a combination of the finish and just how he soaked it all in. On his birthday. My favorite. Yeah. On his birthday too. So yeah. happy, Happy belated. Uh, Mr. Dawkins, uh, Dan, I know this was that was also basically your favorite because you're a big uh, Dawkins guy, uh, but you graciously gave that one to Ryan because you uh, slipped up and not wrote it down on our outline I, first. So that's on you. What was your second favorite finish of the evening? My favorite finish was the first Chris Dawkins knockout. Oh, okay, that he, makes sense. He knocked him out <laughs> the first time, and then, <laughs> but no, uh, Marab's wild comeback over Marais, uh That I thought that was pretty insane. Uh, oh yeah, I mean it was, so. it was wonderful. Like that was that was another like it was almost like a classic fight in and of itself. We have like two classic fights kind of we, on here, right? Yeah, that. I mean, you can put this one's definitely making the uh, Baba O'Reilly montage. Marab and so. uh, yeah, Marais. sure parts of it. So man, I, I I haven't been to a live event in now. It's been just about two years. I I'm planning on and I actually got to put in my credential request uh, for. 268 in New York. Uh, we're, we're up in New York, Ryan. Or Well, I'm in Jersey, but it's close enough. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait to get back in and, and see one of those things, see the Bob O'Reilly tape. For me, 
My favorite finish was the Jalen Turner spiderific rear naked choke against Euros Medic in round one to close uh, the early prelims. That was, uh, it was just so wild to just watch this fight between two guys at 155 that really looked like they were 170 pounds. Uh, Jalen Turner actually today posted a picture of him standing on a scale after his fight that his coach requested. He weighed 180.7. So he had put back on 25 pounds. So, of course, he looked huge, right? Uh, but getting that win, uh, the rear naked choke the way he did, I, he's an impressive prospect. And I, I've had my eye on him for a little while. It also helps that he fights out of Fontana, California. <laughs> so uh, I tend to favor that as well. But, yeah, it, honestly, just an excellent night of fights. I think this was a real treat for us fight fans, the ones who have to gut it out watching all these other uh, fight cards throughout the year, all the fight nights that – you know, no offense to the fighters. I mean, they're they're especially at the top. You at least get like one or two fights that are like, wow, this is great. But otherwise, it's a lot of, you know, prospect fights and things that realistically, if you go back like 10 years, they would not have been on a UFC card. They just wouldn't have been. Um, they're fun. They're exciting. But nonetheless, we had an excellent night of, of caliber quality fights that also delivered. And I was really glad for that. I don't know you guys. I mean, all their pay, all their pay-per-view events for the for this year, you know, especially with the ones in front of fans have delivered, have delivered, you know, probably this is probably the best show since the Jacksonville card overall from just yes. quality of fight, quality of fight, and just stakes and everything, everything. But yeah, overall, just a fantastic show. And if you, as a fan, missed it, find a way to watch it. It, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's absolutely one of those ones that you ought to go back and find time for. Dan, was this your favorite event of the year? I forget if we yeah, covered it at this, the top of the show. This one, this one, I told you this one, the first one that's given me that. All right, I'm ready for this. Right, makes really excited about it. Um, Does it reinvigorate you as a fan who has to watch some of these fights like I'm talking maybe, about? Maybe. I, I mean, as Ryan said earlier, he, he only has a handful of guys like he was like truly a fan of. It. He's just a fan, like just a normal fan of like everybody else enjoys watching them. Like Nick, sure. Nick Diaz is one of the final guys left. Nate Diaz, uh, the guys that I when I first started, like the 209 gravitated crew. to and like lived and died with them in the cage. Like get, arms burnt out because I'm just tense the whole time. Probably more gas than they are <laughs> fighting. But Ryan, Dan is also a uh, BJ guy. He's a BJ Penn guy. Oh, uh, BJ yeah. Penn. I, I was always a GSP and Carlos Condit okay. guy personally. So Yeah, the, the, I mean, those are – I mean, I, Nick Diaz was Carlos Condit too. Book it now. Let's go. Condit walked away. Let him go. Oh, Let did he retire? Go. I thought he – I didn't think he retired. I, I, what? I didn't, th I didn't know he been? retired. I don't know. No, he retired like a week and a half ago. Really? Yeah. yeah. The more you know. <laughs> yeah of course i understand it's, it's been uh, a marathon here but uh that was it for ufc 266 real quick before we uh we sign out here before we sign off looking ahead next weekend we've got and again the relentless ufc schedule continues the machine goes on uh on saturday night tiago santos against johnny walker uh black label blue label whatever is going on at 205 pounds you guys looking forward to that, Ryan? What do you about you? Oh, that's a that's a fight that gets me excited. At you know because both guys you know are going to look to just finish each other. And I think Walker, since moving to work with John Cavanaugh, is it's probably a great move for him. And Santos has lost three in a row and is in a must win must win fight. And both those guys will look to finish. And as far as like the show, I mean, the main card's better than a lot of your recent. ESPN plus shows that have happened and one, especially over some ones that are coming, coming up. So, you know, top, 
top few fights are interesting, interesting, but yeah, I like, I like that main event very much. I like it too. How do you feel about it, Dan? Is there any other fights that you're looking forward to as well? I, just, I think this one, this will be fun. Uh, I'm going to go with Tiago Santos getting the finish though. First round. I'm going to go with, I'll say second round Tiago Santos. Uh, we'll say TKO. Uh, you got to pick Ryan. Do you like to make picks? Uh, I'll go Johnny Walker. Second round TKO. All right. Ooh, okay. Going against the grain. You are the out judge on that one. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> but uh, and in addition to UFC, we do have the return of Bellator. They they kind of go on this like every other week schedule. Sometimes they get you know, a couple weeks in a row, but but typically it's every other week. And this one, they're not going against UFC as they did last time. It's a Friday fight card, Bellator 267, as they have now surpassed UFC in their numbered events, but obviously will never surpass the UFC in the number of events that they have put on. This one's in London, though. Uh, they're, they're going back international again. And we got Douglas Lima against uh, Michael Venom Page at 170 pounds. Dan, I know you're not a big Bellator guy, and I know every time I say you got to watch Bellator, you get really mad at me. And I know these two names. And all that. You do know these two names. Are you yeah. interested in this fight? Uh, it's on Friday, so I'll probably watch it. I mean, I'm, I've <laughs> got nothing else going on. Uh, there's no college football, not as much, right? There's only a few games. Um, <laughs> Dan's a big college football guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think Lima's going to win. Okay, you, you got a pick in this one, Ryan? Are you are you interested in this Bellator card or anything on the undercard? I think Lima's gonna win. Gonna win. Uh, he's beaten Page before, and I just I don't know that uh, Michael Page is up to the level of competition that Douglas Lima brings. And and I also think Page is looking more forward to trying to get out of Bellator to go to the UFC, as he openly talked about. So so maybe he's not taking this as fully serious or maybe he is who knows but but lima's beat him once and i don't think anything's changed to where lima won't beat him again you know it's funny you say that about kind of like trying to get out of the the bellator situation and try to move on to ufc where or i imagine they'll be able to utilize his his uh particular talents and and personality pretty well uh, that he tends to seem to jive with the way ufc likes to do things but i i would say i could almost see him being hungrier for this fight to really get the, it's not a title fight. So, you know, it's not like he'll win the title and then get locked into, you know, the, the champions clause and all that kind of stuff. If he wins, he looks really good. I would think so. I, I think he'll be more motivated. I think we've seen a Douglas Lima who has now started to go downhill. He's hit that point in his career. He's been around a long time. So great career uh, in terms of making a, a living outside of the UFC. But I do think he's starting, he's kind of on that, the come down. And I think Paige is, has looked really good lately. Uh, I'm actually gonna pick Michael Page. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say decision. I, I don't think he'll finish Lima. I think he's gonna get a decision somehow. I, I don't know why. I just it's a feeling. Anyone think I'm crazy or what? I think he's yeah. gonna beat up the legs. No, no that sounds right. I, I do think it, when you kind of bring that all up, I, I do think it's almost a more of a pick and fight now. now sure, you know so. That do, that does make and obviously that kind of makes it so it's like well it's actually an interesting fight now because it's like well we already saw him beat him but yeah when when you've got it now it, like you said it's a pick em. I think that makes it a lot more interesting so I am looking forward to that Bellator main event yeah it should be hopefully it'll be a good fight good fight and you know fry obviously with it being in London you know if you're at home on Friday afternoon it gives you something something to watch on Friday afternoon since they're going to be airing it live that is true I do like that uh aspect of this this uh situation here and and also shout out to uh the judges in uh england some of the most talented judges uh sharpest judges that we have uh in mixed martial arts work out of there 
We're talking about guys like Ben Cartledge, former guest on our show, uh, David Leatherby. Uh, I imagine we we might end up seeing uh, Mark Goddard uh, refereeing out there too, which you know, he's one of the best in the business. Uh, I, it's it's nice know, to see some of those international judges too, because they don't get seen a lot over here, but I think they're just as sharp as a, as the best that we have over in uh, North America. So you know what? Now that you said, I'm gonna watch it because for, for Ben, friend, you're gonna watch show. for Ben, our, watch our for ben. guest. Yeah, well, how nice of you. <laughs> Shout out Ben Cartledge. He is one of the uh, best Street Fighter two players that you're ever going to find. Period. <laughs> I believe it. And that does it for the show. I want to thank Ryan Frederick one more time for coming on the show. We really appreciate your contributions, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it was fun, fun time was had by all. Absolutely. Uh, Dan, as always, a pleasure. We'll be back again next week to break down uh, what happened in these uh, this UFC and maybe a little Bellator, Dan. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you all on Monday. Thanks, everyone. Take Thanks care, again, everybody. Ryan. Take care. Have a great week.